Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 122, episode 2 of Der Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers. And fuck Fox News. It's really? Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I did not even... We'll go with Potatoes O'Brien. I didn't even think about making Wait, do your homework, AKA. O'Brien. Ah, uh, fucked it up. Didn't do your liter, liter, literary, literature homework. I yeah. fucked that up, too. Hey, Bye. We are nailing it. Uh, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Speaking of lit, it's Miles Gray, a.k.a. the Count of Monte Costco, a.k.a. Cron. Quixote, aka Ed Ifis Rex, aka <laughs> Waiting for Godot, my drug dealer, aka For Whom T Bell Tolls, aka Atlas Nugged, uh, and thank right. you to at Just TDZ, aka's for that wonderful string. All the literary classics. Oh yeah. Um, Never read one of them. Are they good? <laughs> yeah. Atlas Nugged is really good. Oh actually. yeah, I love it. Um, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Uh, we're actually going to talk about that later on, uh, whether Atlas is nugging mm. right now. Uh, but first, Miles, mm. we're going on the road yes. with our time machine. Super yes. producer, Anna Hosnier. Uh, we're leaving actually right as we say the last word on this episode. We're traveling we through space and time. Traveling through space and time, yeah. sprinting to the airport to go to Minneapolis, February 25th at That's the Parkway tonight. Theater POS. Tonight. See you there, Minneapolis. Uh, Chicago, February 27th at Sleeping Village with Daniel Van Kirk. And Toronto, the grand finale, February 28th at the Great Hall with Mark Little. Mm. For tickets, go to dailyzeitgeist.com and go to the live appearances tab. And yeah, buy, buy tickets. We're, we're looking forward to seeing Good, you. Good, the important part. And then I you, always stick the I landing I've you found. Get to the page and then look <laughs> at it. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the very talented and funny author of In Defense of Elitism, Why I'm Better Than You and You Are Better Than Someone Who Didn't Buy This Book. <laughs> he is Mr. Joel Stein. Oh, thank you for having me here. Thanks this is for very being here, exciting. Man. I didn't come up with any AKs for myself. That's okay. was lazy. Yeah. Do you well, have any? Any uh, nicknames you want by? In actual life? Yeah. No, I've always wanted the nickname and no one ever gave me one that uh, stuck yeah. at all. It's really... It doesn't speak well to my the personality. The closest was being called by your last name. Yeah. Yeah, not even. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just been Joel. I've just been Joel, which oh, is so... Or Mr. Stein. Usually, it's Mr. Stein, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> at home. That's just at home, though. <laughs> right. yeah. It's just with your kids. <laughs> yeah. And my wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Stein, sir. Uh, well, Joel, uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about today. Uh, and I feel like the zeitgeist really cooperated with uh, having somebody who just wrote a book called In Defense of Elitism yeah. on because uh, we are mourning the passing of the Flat Earth guy. Uh, oh, that's right. Mad, yeah, Mike Mad Mike Hughes. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, Weinstein being found partially guilty, but sent straight to jail, which is satisfying. We're going to talk about Bernie Sanders' win in Nevada and the maybe connected stock market kind of going down a little bit or a lot bit. And just generally, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, Joel. We're going to talk about Sylvester Stallone's new movie, uh, which sounds like an old man's dystopian fantasy. We're going to talk about, you guessed it, the Paw Patrol controversy. Uh, Paw Patrol, a kid's cartoon that, uh, if you're lucky, you probably don't know anything about, but uh, is probably the piece of culture that I am most familiar with over the past two years of my life, uh, is under attack, under fire is from it, the like uh, radical gay, left. Gay teletub, you think? No, 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 from the radical left. Yeah, oh, okay. radical left is uh, kind of, hmm. yeah. Sort of Are they saying it's pro cop? They're saying it's no. They're saying it's Good pro guess. privatization of oh, uh, wow. <laughs> of things like police service and fire service. Uh, it's not a very solid argument based I'm on with my them. extensive knowledge, but uh, it's. It was not presented as such. It's one of those things where the conservatives are finding a way to kind of be like, "We're fucked. They're coming for our Teletubbies and." Although, not Teletubbies, I guess that was their their beef. They're mm-hmm. coming for our Paw Patrol. Uh, but first, Joel, we like to ask our guests, what is Uh-oh. something from your search history oh, right. that is notes. revealing about who you are? I thought I was just supposed to tell you the last 
thing that's, I should That's search. good, yeah. too. Does that seem more honest? That, that's more revealing. It sort of is. But um, the last thing I Googled was how to pronounce Vilfredo Pareto. Okay. Which I, is uh, someone, an Italian economist who uh, came ooh. up with the the idea of this essay in 1900 called uh, The Circulation of the Elites. And I had mentioned him on another podcast, and the other person had a different pronunciation, and we got into a physical altercation. <laughs> Over it, yeah. yeah. Who was right? I was right. But, but yeah. only probably because I said it in the audiobooks, so I probably had already checked. Got it. But I'd okay. forgotten that. What was the dispute over? What? what why Pareto we... versus Pareto. Pareto. Oh. Mm. Rookie mistake. It's Pareto. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, you hate to see it. Hate uh, to see it. Hate what is something it. you think is overrated? Over The gut. Everyone, the gut. like how you feel. Like right. I, my, my whole book is about the uh, expertise over the gut. So I think, right. pe- you know, I just had an instinct or I just knew, like, as David Foster Wallace said, like, the thing that I most intimately know in my gut is that I am the most important person in the exact center of the universe. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a very good point. Um, yeah. And I've heard you kind of talk about this in relation to uh, both Trump and Bernie Sanders yeah. and like sort of the populist movement being something that uh, appeals to the gut as opposed to the the brain. Uh, what is that? Is that kind of where you're coming from, or is that? Yeah, uh, the, the the feeling that some other person or group of people are out to get you, and that the system can just be fixed if we just get rid of the bad guy instead right. of actual systemic fixes. And, right, and that you just feel like something is right, and you just feel like you know more than the generals. That, that's the stuff that scares me. Right. The, oh, man. The amount of mis- – where, where's the book of mistakes the gut has led us to right. also? Yeah. Just as, just as important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that – do you think that Sanders is equally guilty as Trump or like – No. Where, yeah, no. Okay. I think he's guilty, but no, not at all. No, they're not in the same league. Right. Because, I mean, I, I see how his sort of – villainization of the wealthy could be seen as an easy answer, but it does seem like a lot of his proposals are fairly systemic. They're not just Some of them are, but some of the systemic ones also seem like they're from the gut. Like when he talks about putting a farmer on the the Fed Board of Governors, Uh I feel like we'd have two reasons we wouldn't eat if he did that. (laughs) Right. And and some of his proposals, I think, are really... Like the economist he has, I think, is... uh, is is very fringy and doesn't believe in the fact that like um you know the higher uh inflation will cause more unemployment and so yes i feel like he has some things from the gut some of which are that um you know rich people are stealing money from poor people kind of illegally in shady ways compared to we just have a system in which in which people are allowed to accumulate it happens above board yeah exactly yeah uh, what is something you think is underrated? Underrated. Okay, I did this story on biohacking, and I now feel strongly that sleep is underrated. Okay. I know that sounds totally lame and Ariana Huffington-ish, <laughs> but I do think like having good, solid, deep sleep and good REM sleep is super important, and we're not focusing on the things that will help us at all. Did you not used to be a believer in sleep? You're sort of like, I just feel like this because of other things, maybe not because I only need five hours of sleep, or what was... I would definitely have put sleep under nutrition and under maybe even exercise and uh-huh. now now i don't at all right 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 you um, put it above or like on the same i put it of... above and the simple way to think about that is like could you go without two days of sleep eating or exercise right yeah i would be a fucking wreck wreck yeah yeah but yet like if i just have to like get some work done i'll stay up to like three in the morning yeah i also wonder if it has something to do with like the point at your life you're in. Like I used to be able to do all-nighters and I no longer can even remotely do an all-nighter. Your sleep gets worse as you get older, especially your deep sleep and your RAM. Yeah. Uh, Also, alcohol really messes up your sleep. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it like, I used to think that drinking made me sleep more soundly because I could sleep it does. for 17 hours. But uh, it's a I'm... crappy sleep. Then. Right. It's yeah. a po- sleep. You're it's restful sleep. Yeah. Same, right. same with like Ambien. Like you get, you get more sleep, but it's like kind of just light sleep. It's not that right. great restorative. Right. Yeah. Wait, so what, what kind of biohacking were you doing for your sleep? For the sleep part? Yeah. You know, I would dim the lights in my house at night. Um, oh, okay. I would, I would sleep in a colder place, uh, you know, keep my, my house colder. I would go to sleep and wake up at the same time all seven days a week. Right. 
Were you doing it for a book or a I did project? It for an article for Medium. Oh, okay. And what what was like the wildest thing you did for the bio? Like that that wasn't one of the basic like sleep, you know, going to bed at the same time. Three times a week all... before working out, I got in a, a cryo chamber. Okay, which got down to like negative two hundred something degrees. Oh my god! How long did How long did you stay in there? Just three minutes. Okay. Uh, it seems three too minutes long. At that wasn't the craziest thing I did. Though. I'm trying to think of the craziest things I did. This stuff called PEMF, which um, you lie on a bed or sit in a chair and they turn the electricity off up and it like it feels like something the Shah of Iran would have created. <laughs> but it like sends shocks throughout you that's supposed to like go to where you need your muscles need to be healed. Oh, huh? Did that work? Seemingly. No. <laughs> Jury's out. Jury's <laughs> right, way yeah, out. Right, it definitely right. hurt. Jury no, yeah. has not come back yet. Okay. <laughs> Did you feel like the cryo thing helped? Because I've heard mixed things about that. You know, I'm not particularly sensitive to my body. I, I didn't feel like it did anything. Okay. Yeah. Miles, you got to do this body hacking stuff because yeah, man. Miles is the most sensitive to his body. Oh, is that right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like whenever I feel a. He's wearing comfy clothing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm sensitive. Yeah. Yes. I my my feel what I'm wearing. Yeah. Nothing less than billowy fleece robes. And this is, <laughs> can you like this is true about sounds and crowded environments and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like yeah. hypersensitive. I've yeah. Pretty sensitive my son that is that. Sense. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. I mean, but then at the same time, I'm not necessarily like a fitness person, so I don't know if I would be like, oh yeah, man. With the right. cryo shit, right. I, 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 I pushed out like eight more max reps on that shit. <laughs> you used no. all the terms, though. Yeah, I mean, you sound like a fitness yeah. guy. Yeah, well, you, know, you sound like Arnold. I got I have a lot of toxic <laughs> friends I got to keep up with, man. <laughs> pushed out six more max reps. Max reps, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I'm going to go cryo now you said it. in the, in the <laughs> go bathroom. Cryo. <laughs> go cryo, cryo in, in the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> uh, My favorite special song. Yeah. And finally. English beat? What no, is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Oh, well, I run in a pretty liberal crowd, and the myth that bothers me the most is that Trump voters are ill-informed and voting against their own interests, and if we just explain things to them, they'll change their mind. <laughs> right. right. No, but here's the deal. Right. Your factory job yeah. is gone. Beca- All right, your your soybean it. tariffs are hurting your... Yeah, right. that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they know what they're doing. People vote altruistically, right? So, like, lots of really rich people who are liberals will vote for higher taxes, right. and lots of farmers will vote for soybean tariffs because they they're voting for the what they think the country should be, right? Which is sticking it to the libs and just like cultural stuff. Like, why why do you think when when because you for your book you went down to a town that voted more uniformly for Trump than any other? Yeah, ninety six percent of the county of the highest. The highest um, percentage of Trump voters in Texas. And what, like, would you say that that was an experience that revealed something to you about Trump? Yeah. Or what they're preserving? Yeah. I think that there's a um, cosmopolitan elite that I'm very proud to be part of. Mm. And the way that, like, I connect to the globe and think about the world is so dystopic to these people. Right. Like, when they think about Los Angeles or any city, they think about homeless people and people who don't know their neighbors and people who are looking at their phone all day and only interested in their status. Um, and they just, they, Wait, where's the lie? Right. <laughs> where's, the lie? <laughs> where's the lie? No, those are all, they're accurate. not wrong. Yeah, they're not no, wrong right. at all, but they yeah. see that but boy, as like, distill that down to, right. they, they see that as the future of the country right. and they want to stop that and, and restore it to a kind of a, what you still probably see in the shrinking rural parts of this country. And it's an existential threat to them. And they do not like Donald Trump, but they have said to me, like, if you have a cockroach infestation and you hire an exterminator and he has his butt crack showing and he's cursing, but he gets the job done, you hire him. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, famously comparing uh, the diverse population to cockroaches. Yes, no, I did. Always <laughs> good. Always that's good. That's when I'm that like, was... oh boy, yeah, okay, I get it. Yep, cockroach. Yeah, you got the roaches here. I you know what I mean? Feeling very that was one of the times I felt town. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. 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 there were a couple yeah. things Absolutely. said that I was like, oh, please don't make me write this in my book because you seem <laughs> oh like such God. nice people. <laughs> right. Um, all right, let's talk about. Uh, yeah, I'll be interested to hear your your thoughts on the Thank flat you. Earth group. Uh, so I, I'm against them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ah man! Wow. Didn't see it coming. Huh? Damn it. Uh, no. So there, there's a guy by the name of Mad Jack. Mike Hughes uh, who was trying to prove that the Earth was flat 
by going into space. There, it seems like there has to be an easier way to do that. They've, well, every well, a lot of the other experiments they try end up proving that the Earth is round, and then they're like, well, nah, it can't be that one then. Okay, got it. Like in that Netflix documentary, famously, they did an experiment where they were sending a laser across like a distance that was just enough that you would be able to detect the curvature of the Earth. Uh-huh. And sure enough, that laser was pointing like at an angle right. because of the curvature of the earth. And they're like, nah, man, this um, this can't be it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's check it again. Right. And they're like, nah, man, it's it's right. Huh. And then it's like back to the drawing board. So I guess for Mad Mike Hughes, he was like, I'm going to make a steam-powered rocket uh-huh. and go as high as I can, and then I'll be able to see from up there. That's the deal. I can see the ice wall from here or whatever he believed he would see from up there. Or he could just get on one of those cruises that goes around the world. Right. Well, in those ones, there's other things about, like, those cruises are ran by, like, you know, the global cabal of, like, like firmament deniers who want you to believe that the Earth is round. So, like, the the cruise ships will never actually get to a place where you would be able to see what they believe is the edge of the earth but how do they think you get back to where you started they, they turned around they think they turned around oh yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a hoax man australia is a, a country where people fly to but it's, a, but it's, it's a hoax but it's a hoax with australia actors. is well, australia is not real australia That's is not one, real yeah. it's actors you know what? i've i spent a month there and i think they may be right <laughs> it <laughs> seemed like evidence it seemed to... a little too close to right. the western u.s they had the weird <laughs> it just seemed like i hadn't gone that far right and sometimes they would slip out of their accent just accidentally yeah it was like yeah. a little too like, cowboy come like, on this is fake guys yeah <laughs> well, the so this guy, right, he took on Saturday, he went up in his rocket. There's a video of it, and it's just pretty it's, sad. Like, yeah. it goes up. There was supposed to be a shoot that deployed for him to safely return, and the shoot just, I think, deployed incorrectly. No, it deployed right away, like as, oh, the, went up as it, it was taking off. Oh, like, the initial boy. plume of whatever was propelling him upward was, like, had a torn up parachute mixed in with it, oh. like as it cleared, and then it just came right back down. Yeah, and then this it just sort came of proves down. my theory that rockets don't exist. <laughs> there you go. They don't really work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the thing was, he was recording. He was doing a new TV series called "Homemade Astronauts," on what in this article describes the U.S. Science Channel, which isn't. I don't know which one that is. Yeah, again, oh, I think it, I think they meant because it's from the from the Independent in the U.K. The Science Channel here in the U.S. Is there a Science Channel? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what they said in their statement is, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends during this difficult time. It was always his dream to do this launch, and Science Channel was there to chronicle his journey. Uh, but that's that's tough. I mean, the guy, that's such a weird state. Like, you were yeah. making a show. Is this like a real channel that I'd get on if I had a cable box? Yeah. People, it really, and so they were okay with this that's not good that's a weird statement to have for we we basically captured and are will probably be exploiting this man's tragic death for our show homemade astronauts yeah the idea even the name is like dangerous knife catchers yeah right science channel (laughs) it's like whoa yeah yeah check out the new spinoff baby knife catchers (laughs) so yeah that is an interesting statement from them uh but holy shit they have uh, do lots of people die on reality TV shows like ice road truckers or like are people dying all the time? I remember on, TV? on Deadliest Catch very early on there was like someone passed away and that was like big news. They went overboard. I think so. Something like, like that on camera. I don't know if it's on camera during right. production. Okay, someone like one of the crew people. I don't know if the crew, but like or people on the boats did. But I don't. Not that like I know that it's like a dangerous path. Like. That reality, I mean, reality, being on a reality show ruins your life in another way. Yeah. Uh, not in a physical way. But so. it sometimes doesn't. Like, I tried out for the real world London, mm-hmm. and I got to the, the final, like, when they fly you to New York and interview you. And I've interviewed the guy who got my place instead of me. And it didn't affect his life that much. Like, no one remembers that he was on it. Oh, really? It does, yeah, it rarely comes up. It's interesting. That's that really cast was a little bit hard to remember when I think about it. Especially the guy who was kind of like me. Yeah. I like I like how you said, really, like, I met the guy. In my mind, you've been you've been stalking him just to confront him. Be like, hey, motherfucker, remember me? You're like, what? Did was he? Did he look like somewhat similar to you? Was it? Were they like casting to a type? Yes, they were casting. Did you to guys a type. like get along really famously? I never. I, know, I only called him cool. recently for something I was working on, so I yeah. never. Uh, I never met him. So he was like, he's a playwright. And uh, yeah, they cast him instead of me because uh, John Murray, when I interviewed him later, told me that he was afraid I'd never get laid. Mm. Wow. Did he yeah. really? Yep. Wow. And cutting. He, no, but tell cutting, me what you really but thought. But correct. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the help of a TV show. Which one was it? Uh, it was the real world London. No, but which guy on the cast? Was this? Oh, uh, I'm blanking his name. That see, this proves my point. Mike, Jay, Neil, Jay, what's, Jay. What's Jay's last name? Jay Frank from yeah. Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that's a guy. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, this was a. When I looked through, I'm like, I don't really remember many of the people see? from this. I remember Jacinda. Yeah, that I remember that. Didn't somebody get their tongue almost bitten off in Real World London? Or oh, am I thinking about a different one. Forrester. Forrester. In what, but in uh, making out with someone, or how does I think so. the most really? notable event of the season occurs when a cast member and when cast member and singer Neil Forrester kisses a male heckler during a performance, who then bites the tip of Forrester's tongue off. Yeah, I remember that being. Wait, so he forced a kiss on a heckler, and the heckler bit his tongue off? Yeah, that's how we knew uh, Brexit was going to happen. Right. <laughs> there it was. There it was. There it was. I was just. It would be so interesting if you went and like looked at this person's life and it was like one of those uh, longitudinal studies of identical twins where it's like they have like all the same things, like all the same interests. And, oh, like, right. It's like I have three kids and their names are the same as your kids' names too. <laughs> uh, if if real world casting was like that. But, you that know, I think shit. this is – I think – my theory with the real world not ruining your life is I feel like those early people, yeah. like the first five seasons, they got away pretty scot free. Around it was somewhere between a social experiment, Miami, and around the Miami now. cast, I felt like the the temperature started to get turned up on the real world, where we yeah. saw like a lot more like interesting, darker shit going on. Our characters were a little bit more. So you think it like, affected so, their lives more, or they were just already messed up? And well, I'm curious to about up. like Ruthie from Hawaii. Who like yeah. had was like struggling with her drinking on the show, uh, yeah. and even remember afterwards people saying like that lifestyle was only contributing worse to her alcoholism. Well, I it think seems she like they started drinking a lot more on the show. on the show. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, like look, there was just, actual. I remember the first season. There was actual boredom where they were like sitting around. Yeah. Like shooting pool and being like, there's really nothing to do because <laughs> right. they don't let you watch TV. So they're like, something's gonna happen because you're not allowed to watch TV. You're not allowed to like do anything besides interact with each other. And so I think what a lot of our instincts are when we're you know forced to be in socially uncomfortable situations is to drink. And if they just provide you with a place and an environment to drink and maybe maybe it's not the best. I mean, I think Ruthie's doing well because oh, good. she's posting, you know, really great travel pics. Okay. Hell yeah. Okay. So good she's definitely Ruthie. been to Mallorca in Spain. That seems right. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And Harvey Weinstein was found partially guilty, uh, guilty, definitely uh, convicted, but a couple of the charges that would have put him in jail for up to life did not, uh, he, he was not found guilty of those. What is but, life for Harvey Weinstein at this point? Right. Well, so that's the thing is as of now, it's between 50 and, or five and 30 years and, you know, he's what, 67, like, 67, I think. 67. So, I mean, if it's towards but it's the not upper been a healthy that, 67. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's also a good point. Uh, not looking great. Um, and they took him straight to jail. His uh, attorney was like, well, let's, you know, leave him out while he waits. He waits sentencing. And they were not having that. The judge, you know, sent him to jail right away, which is he's in be, jail right now. Yeah. So, I mean, we were talking in past episodes that legal scholars were saying that it, you know, this was a a daring case for the prosecution to bring because the, it relied on a lot of different, like, factors and, mm -hmm. you know, things that uh, wouldn't normally get prosecuted in court just because uh, of how these sorts of cases usually go. And so I, I think this has to be you know, seen generally as just a win and uh, shouts out to the to the women. It's definitely a landmark stepped forward case. Yeah. Uh, and it's especially I mean, his defense was sort of just sort of like this. I mean, some of these women were using him, actually. Right. Uh, so, yeah, like you can tell when you sort of get in these why a lot of these uh, sort of cases are harder to prosecute, especially when you have someone who like has high powered lawyers who are able to be as slippery as like. No, he was the one being used, Your Honor, and everything was consensual. And if they didn't like it, then why would they keep talking to him? Right. And then just sort of narrowly just defended on that, on those grounds. But yeah, um, he will, I guess, 
so uh, it's up to 25, you said, or 30 is the most? I thought it was up to 30. Wow. Five to up to 30. Right. So, I mean, the, the low end is inexcusable, but there's also a case that's uh, coming up in LA that might add time onto that. So right. we'll see how that goes. Uh, all right. In the Democratic primary, Bernie Sanders uh, had pro- his definitely his most convincing win yet mm-hmm. uh, in this Democratic primary in Nevada. People uh, are saying that Nevada's demographically looks a lot like the country in terms of diversity. And a lot of Democratic strategists are now, you can kind of feel them getting their mind around the fact that like this might be the guy. It's a huge to, win. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a the monster first win. time someone had the the popular vote in the first three early state primaries too. I think right. ever. Yeah, I, I went to the caucuses one year. I think uh, the first year, the Nevada caucuses. Yeah, I went to the Bellagio. Oh really? Yeah, and uh, it's supposed to be this caucus like Iowa where people discuss and they go to different parts of the room. I walked into the this big ballroom. And Hillary Clinton had just walked by me. It was Clinton versus Obama. And uh, she had walked by me. And then suddenly I asked her a question and the press showed up. And I show up in this ballroom and this everyone's wearing their union shirts. And the, this union leader gets on stage and he's like, everyone for Hillary? And everyone raised their hand. And he's like, great, we're done. Oh, really? It, it's like five seconds the whole thing lasted. Mm. Wow. And, I was, and it's the first time I was like, unions are way more powerful than I thought. And Bernie didn't have their support, and he killed nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, I think, surprised some people. Uh, although I think heading into the weekend, people were starting to uh, get a sense that he was going to run away with it. But pe- at first, when the uh, I think culinary, union. culinary union went, went against him, uh, people were starting to think that he might be in trouble or that Elizabeth Warren might be able to use some of the momentum from uh, just murdering uh, Bloomberg on the last debate. Uh, and That's the thing about murdering someone in a debate or it, it, it's like, or Pete and Amy Klobuchar, it's a murder-suicide pact. Right. Like everyone hates you for doing it and you destroy the other person. Well, I think maybe for the uh, Pete and Amy one, but I think- That one seemed like it was just they couldn't help themselves. Pete no, and Amy, <laughs> no, it's going real. at it. It was the, real. Yeah, a lot of the, the tweets that were funnier were being like, I was like, they were definitely in a relationship. That was- <laughs> <laughs> we revealed it right there. Right. Um, yeah, and I think just even with like the whole- as you were saying, like as the results were coming in and even at like 60 percent, like it became clear what the outcomes were. Uh, Chris Matthews, again, had to go Woo! on a, I guess, Maginot line comparison of yeah. the Germans breaching, uh, like with like comparing this campaign to that. And again, if you were like, here we go, what's what's he up to now? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, a lot of people have been like resigned to apologize to holy shit. What the fuck was that? Do we think he's doing this on purpose at this point? No, I think he I think he believed his sentiment around an emerging what he in his mind he's labeled like capital S socialist is like fr- genuinely frightening to him as like a person. Right. Cuz I've never seen him go completely like like viscerally like and you never know what's next like beheadings right. in Central Park it's like really? <laughs> That's an out loud thing you're yeah. saying? Yeah. He definitely seems shaky when he's doing it. Yeah. Wait, I don't follow Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews from is, Hardball. Yeah. No, I know he, I've been on Hardball, <laughs> and I. Uh, but he is anti-Bernie because he thinks Bernie will lose the nomination, or he just hates Bernie. He's afraid of Bernie as a president. Or he's afraid of Bernie's nomination. The thing, the last two things that have gotten him hot water have been comparisons to like some that there will be public executions as a result of socialism. Literally, uh, yeah. He, okay. Well, he said that he remembers a time right. in the Cold War. Like he's like saying it in this way. Okay. Like I remember a time when we were afraid of socialism, and I thought that maybe there would be, you know, a socialist would win, and there would be people marching to Central Park and assassinated. And and then Chris Hayes was like, "Wait, but he hasn't said anything remotely close, like re- yeah. relating to that." And he goes, "I don't know, but has he? We don't know." Like so, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, like the very yeah. But Chris Hayes tried to give him like a hey, right. you want to readjust there, <laughs> right. and he didn't. And then again, when when it became clear that he won, it was like yeah. And he's like, I remember, uh, you know, when Churchill got the call that they've broken through. Yeah, uh, and it was just like whoa, okay. 
It is interesting to see MSNBC because, I mean, I think people, if, if people have a general like left-right dichotomy, MSNBC is the left to Fox News is right. Right. But MSNBC seems to be having the hardest time dealing with this leftist candidate. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. a, like a lot of, I mean, Chris that's Jansing, become a story. Chris Jansing, who's another one of their uh, anchors or correspondents, she was in Vegas during the uh, caucuses in Nevada and at one point she was like, yep, and uh, we're looking in here. Uh, when you look in the room, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear uh, that especially with some of these Latino voters, there's a lot of support for <sighs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> she like sighed, like audibly. Right. It was weird. Right. Like it was, yeah. I don't know. It, and again, I think because they've been really uh, between like, who's a Chuck Todd, even with his like digital brown shirts comment that he made. Yeah. There's been a lot where people have just been kind of noticing how they're very focused on sort of pointing out whatever the absolute bad shit is or how can they like vilify right. versus being like, that's why there's also a lot of opinion pieces coming out too from other political writers who are sort of like, okay, so that was unequivocal. Like right. what happened in Nevada? Like people need to actually begin figuring out what they're going to do here because like just start, sort of like dragging your feet about this is not going to help if you're truly about if you're even narrowly about we have to defeat Trump. Yeah. So what is it going to be? Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, when Trump was uh, sort of surging through the Republican primaries, I think Fox News initially had sort of a partially, uh, you know, never Trumper stance yeah. where they were like, well, is this guy really good? And, you know, that was probably born out of Fox News being more closely aligned with the Republican party than they were with right. anybody in Trump's orbit. And then once Trump became the official, you know, Republican nominee, it's just interesting because Trump, you know, just went went into that role and became like the party guy and just he didn't change really what he was doing, but the party I guess changed to meet him there. Yeah. I don't know. He if never that became happens. the party guy. I mean he was always railing against right. W and McCain and Yeah, the, I guess the, the party and, just and adopted him as their guy. The the voters did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But after yeah, the after the voters did. Yeah. 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 I guess that's right. I I feel like it was the the RNC was when you know you started having the Republican Party just kind of coming around and being like, well, he's our guy. We got to go with it, and telling Ted Cruz to fuck off for yeah. not uh, coming around. So uh, I don't know. It, it's very interesting. Uh, I and then I mean the. We're we're recording this Monday morning, and the Dow Jones is in kind of a downward spiral. It's sad. <laughs> it's really. It's, it's a, I mean, think of <laughs> think of the people. Think of the portfolios. <laughs> think of the portfolios. <laughs> uh, but I I do wonder, like, if this is connected. I mean, the like Trump got in. He gave. Gave companies a huge tax break. Like, is you know, Bernie would presumably do something. Not I, that. I think this is pretty coronavirus related. You think this is coronavirus related? Yeah, I think people have have issued some reports of their losses, and okay, uh, people are freaking out. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because it's it's not just our stock market. Although, of course, our president affects all the stock markets. Yeah, but right. it's it's hang sang because because like Fox News is like, I don't know, is it Bernie? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Were they? Yeah, yeah. That was like on Fox Business. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure, again, they know the economy being like the only argument that Trump could have or like on paper. Could be like, yeah, I guess that's not in technically negative space. Yeah. Uh, like that. that's what they can hold on to. But yeah, I mean, also, too, when you think about the amount of I was talking to a couple people I know who work at a pretty large multinational like garment company mm -hmm. and they're. Their company is in utter chaos right yeah. now because of like because the, of coronavirus. Yeah, the all the distribution chains are like messed up. They have people stationed all over the world who are also like trying to be like, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to come back. There, there's a lot. But can we blame Bernie for the coronavirus? Brand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the question we all well, need to you be can well, wait and see. No, but Bernie can blame this the, the globalization. Yeah. Both he and Trump can both blame globalization and that we've become so dependent on each other that we can't function as soon as one as soon as China fails. Like right. that we 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 have to become more self sufficient. I mean they they're both in that way against trade, against TPP, against NAFTA, against right. globalization. So um I mean that's where I get upset as the 
pro elitist. Right. Is um, that you think that globalization is, I mean, it, just from a, uh, like sort of politically, like a strategic perspective, do you think that Sanders has the best shot of winning against Trump or do you think that? No. No? No. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything. I'm not going to predict. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not in that business. I'm barely trying to figure out what happened like four years ago. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I, I would say from looking at Jeremy Corbyn getting trounced by the the hated Boris Johnson, who uh, right. that's one factor. And I think the 2018 elections where the important purple states were won by very conservative Democrats. Right. And just how much Americans are freaked out by the word and notion of socialism in mm-hmm. any form. Yeah. Not Democrats, but like independents. Uh, well, yeah, especially low information voters. I don't know in if the, the Corbin. States. It's a one to one comparison to Corbin between like their perception within the country and sort of their base. But I think to the point of it's pretty close. It's like some very liberal backbencher who had been around for a long time, kind of. Yeah, but the same I think thing. there's this. I think there's a lot more the people who I at least from looking at a lot of like the people who were voting in Nevada too, like the amount of people who even identified as conservatives and independents who he got. Mm-hmm. I was I was really surprised by that because I wasn't sure I was curious to see what that sort of sliver became, um, but yeah I there I think with a lot of the strategies that they're employing especially like with their ground game is very different in trying to reach as many people so it's gonna be it'll be interesting to see how it works I'm less afraid of the sort of like McGovern effect thing that many people are talking about because at the end of the day. I think the people who are scared of the sort of socialism tag tend to be the older voters yeah. uh, because that's where you see like over 65, like he's underwater, like no one is even getting near him. But they vote. Yeah, they young vote people, too. Young people and need I think to get that's out where, and vote that's if they want that to not matter. Those are the dynamics though at right. play though too because now you have a generation where like for me as a millennial, like I grew up seeing Gen Xers and boomers be like, oh cool, you go to college and then like you can own a fucking house. Yeah. And then I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like when I got out in 2007, I'm like, the opportunities are completely different, yet I'm looking for an explanation as to how I can prosper in a similar way. And I'm unwilling to accept sort of like, I don't know, man, we got to like, there are other ways to figure it out. But and you it, moved to Los Angeles. You're not in I grew Pennsylvania, up here. Wisconsin. Oh, you, yeah, but yeah. you're in Los Angeles. Yeah, you're yeah. not in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Right. You're, you're, Absolutely. And yeah. I think, and I think the, but the, I think, but the reason why it's catching on though, is maybe people not, might not be able to articulate in the exact same way. But there is a feeling of like, I think it's supposed to be different than this. Right. But I like, just feel that those people who feel that way mm-hmm. in election after election around the world seem to vote for like the far right autocrat, like whether right. it's Australia or England. Like I haven't seen a place where the far left guy beats the far right guy. Well, I think it'll be it's it'll be. It'll be an experiment because yeah. if that happens, we I don't want an experiment. Like, this no, is mean, not the time for the experiments. Sense, I think because, you know, but when we run like sort of through the middle candidates, it doesn't. It's been not great. Like, it seems like the energy that people have, uh, at least going into an election or at least a change election would be something that's a little bit that offers a bit of a different vision than what the sort of straight up the middle John Kerry, Hillary Clinton sort of. Bill yeah. Clinton. Yeah. And well, even like Obama Bill had Clinton. had the allure of a That's massive progressive, yeah. but then had to tack back to center. My suspicion is that America, after the economic crisis, it was like a lot of people became certain like the fix is in because we had Obama running as the crisis was unfolding. He was kind of uh, going out there with more of a socialist message of, you know, leaning socialist, not like I'm going to forgive the banks. It was like, you know, I'm a man of the people. And then once he got into office, he just like kind of acquiesced to what the kind of financial interests wanted. And I, I just think that there are people who are like, there's this narrative, like the mainstream media narrative that's out there. And the Democratic Party is part of that. And like the never Trumper Republicans are part of that. And I just don't trust it anymore. And I think that's where like a lot of the populist energy is coming from is that there was this financial crisis that never really got properly like it was just sort like, yeah, yeah, we just gave I think them that's the a money. hard sell to most Americans in a booming economy. It's 10, it's 12 years ago. I just don't right. know. But what's a booming economy to somebody in a state like Wisconsin or Pennsylvania who can't support like even like to be a single parent and you can't do it with one job? But yeah. I don't, I don't like think I that's think, been a reality for 
30 years. Sure. Like, well, yeah, but I think that's where, that's where I think we're reaching a tipping point where now it was easy to sort of rhetorically or like use different kinds of political, you know, rhetorical things to distract people from that versus now being like, well, no, what the fuck is going on? I think the revolution that's happening in India, Europe here is not an economic one. I just don't. I think people are upset about the the way the country has changed on a non-economic basis. I think people are freaked out about changes that no one in this room thinks is weird. Like when right. I went to Miami, Texas, like I don't think trans rights are new. I don't think gay marriage is new. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't, but things happen so quickly and it's not being processed by people in rural areas and they've got a lot of power in our system. But on the other side of that, if you were on the left, that wouldn't be obscure to you, but there's still, there. What's that? where's that momentum coming from? Like, I guess in that world of if the revolution. The cities are becoming bigger and, and stronger. Right, uh, yeah. And I think people are freaking out about, about that. And I don't think telling them that they're gonna not pay for college is gonna have any resonance other than screw you, I paid for my kid's college. Well, yeah, that's that. That's the one thing you always hear back from people who have paid. But I think that's where, if or if, I, if you're going to give that person insurance who doesn't work, I have a job. I'm scraping by, and I I earned my insurance. I don't know. I just yeah. That was something I, you heard from the culinary union though, where where people were like, "Why would you vote for Sanders when your union gives you this great insurance?" And that's what they're saying. Sanders would take away your insurance, and they were like, "Yeah, but I might lose my job." Like yeah, then what? And well, then, and also this yeah. choice, though, too, like, let's be real. The people who are putting together these insurance plans are the stakeholders themselves. So it's not in their business interest to offer people good health insurance. Yeah. I just, so I think that's another myth, though, to say, like, well, there's this choice. But, like, there's who's who is offering people, like, actually dignified sort of uh, truly, like, humane health care where it's yeah. like, what's what what do you, what's going on? What do you need? And yeah. it, the next question is, like, well, what plan are you on? Right. Because then that's the second thing we got. And that's I think that's the that's the sort of gridlock or the log jam that people are trying to address, because then it's not humane. Now it's like there's a you know, there's a caste system within what kind of medical care you can get. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think obviously the fact that there's all these new forms of media that are not like going through the same process, uh, they're they're not the same outlets that people have been using for decades at least uh is also affecting this and you know from a bad perspective facebook causing uh deadly riots in countries in like in india i think there was one but i also think that people you know like back in the 90s msnbc was where you would go to find out like what the democratic take was like what who democrats would vote for and now it feels like there's plenty of other ways to interact and communicate on that front. Oh, so just not from like a singular source or something? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just, yeah, Facebook obviously is not where we want people to be getting their information from, but I do think that- <laughs> Wait, just give Mark Zuckerberg we, some rules. Well, but that's what we saw with in the 2016 election is that was more influential than anyone was giving it credit for in the run-up to the election was, you know, people being influenced by the fact that there are these- more democratically determined uh, forms of communication than what what has happened in the past, and that can be, you know, a bad thing, obviously. But I think it can also be partially explaining why there's populist movement on the left too. All right, well, the marathon continues. It does. Let's take another break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and uh, let's talk about Sylvester Stallone's new film. Uh, I've said before on this show that I think he's, you know, in the 80s, he was one of America's leading propagandists, if not America's leading propagandist. He had uh, Rocky IV and mm. Rambo II came out in the same year, and we're like two and three at the box office for the year, and it was like Rambo goes back and wins the Vietnam War, and Rocky wins the Cold War for Boom. America. Done and done. done, left and right. Uh, and he's continued to try and do that in the modern era with kind of to less effect. Uh, 
Uh, he had Rambo whatever that five, was six come out. Was that the one with like the narco trafficker? Yeah, and it subplot? was Yeah, it or was plot? basically uh, you know an argument for the wall type thing. Oh, I interviewed him for that. This oh, is, really? Which year was this? This was like the last, last two year. years. No, no, the one before the Rambo the before, one before that. Yeah, before, yeah. Before, yeah, where that was uh, also dealing with oh but what and that one was just sort of like everyone was like dude it's one of the most violent yes. films ever right yeah wasn't that like the hook not even like the narrative it was, it's like i don't know man people's heads are just i don't kids. remember what it was about but he was yeah, there was it was super wild. violent yeah yeah so the last rambo movie was had weird you know things about the mexican border and did not do very well and was critically panned uh but Ugh. He's uh, he's back. Yeah. With another movie. With Little America. About where we're headed. <laughs> he's slowly been getting, you know, some more distribution deals going for this film. Uh so this is what Little America is about. Wait, it's S- called Little America? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my. wait till you hear why. Much okay. like the Apple the Oh, wow. The Kamel Nanjiani show is called (laughs) Little America. Yeah. Uh, So set in a dystopian future where America has become bankrupt and turned into a war zone, Stallone will play a former army ranger hired by an Asian billionaire to find his daughters. With the highly skilled sister of the missing woman along for the ride, Sly's ranger must navigate the dark underbelly of Little America, a walled off city within a city in Hong Kong where many Americans have fled. No. Wow. Wow. There are layers to that cake. This is what I was talking about with the the, the far right thinking that America is a dystopia now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. City within a and like that's the kind of thing where they're saying like pretty soon we're going to be going to these other countries. Yeah. Right. And there's going to be a little America where they talk shit about our food like right. we do there. Yeah. Right. Oh no, my nightmare. Yeah. Uh I'm curious to see what this these sets look like. Right. What, like if a, there's like Everything about this Wait, trailer. Wait, you can get a hamburger here? That's, hey, what do you mean? You <laughs> Wait, there's a little America fries? in Osaka that I've been to. Oh, yeah, really? they have little places like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's and like Ameyoko have... in Tokyo that was more of like a former black market where like GIs were trading stuff during like yes. the end of the war. Yeah, and there's like yeah that. But this is little the little the one in Osaka is literally like American flags and you know the hamburger restaurants and it's like a little little weird you know anime version of America. Huh. I hope that's the dystopian one where it's refugee Americans. Mm, That's different. Like, what do they do? Like, uh, get around and like sing Nickelback by the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Little America, Uh, damn it! Can you name a Nickelback song? (laughs) Oh yeah, really? Miles Miles goes deep with Nickelback. Oh yeah, Yeah. give give me the hit. Oh man, from underneath the trees we watch the skies, confusing stars for satellites. I never dream that you'd be mine. But here we are, we're here tonight. <clears throat> anyway. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, and that's like a deep cut. That's not one oh, of those. Oh, it is? Okay. I mean, look, yeah, you could have do it. I never made it as a wise man. Yeah, that's but the I like the other one. Uh, I'm alive. I mean, that's if no one cared is what that one was about. Okay. Yeah. Wow. They, so, you yeah. know, when we when I, when I'm the great bard of Little America, <laughs> being like, tell us another one, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, gather around. Right. Oh, uh, Chad was really on one with this one, huh? <laughs> Wait, is his Chad. name Chad? Chad really? Kroger. That's awesome. Also, he's Canadian. So. Yeah. Oh. And, but the great irony of Little America is we're still like, they're like, that's Canadian. I'm like, right. kill that. <laughs> that must never, never be revealed. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of American culture that is actually Canadian, Paw Patrol. Oh, that's Canadian as well? Yeah. Good and, for them. Yeah. So it's a kid's cartoon set in Thunder Bay, uh, a world where adults are usually like the adults are co- incredibly incompetent. And they're often rescued by a small boy named Ryder and a bunch of dogs, Chase, Marshall, Sky, and Rubble. Uh, and Rubble? Rubble, yeah. Hmm. He, he's the construction guy who like, knocks things down ah. and builds them back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, total badass. Uh, but, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> he's yeah. the Chad. So e- each dog has a set of skills. Uh, they... The the firefighter dog is the comic relief, but very he's not very huh. funny, guys. Okay. You'd be, oh, you'd no. be surprised right. how unfunny he is. Um, and I would never think of the firefighter as the funny one. Yeah, well, I, I would have given the rubble of the Joey Tribbiani yeah, kind of treat. Right. right? Yeah, rubble and rubble's a bulldog who has like an underbite and is yeah. kind of like goofy and but 
But yeah, they give Marshall all the quips. I think because Marshall's he's the Chandler the, of the group. Marshall's the fire dog. Yeah, ah, I think he's the Chandler, it. and okay. he's also I think the kid's favorite because mm-hmm. he's a fireman. Firefighter, yeah. yeah, and he has like a a like thing that comes out of his backpack that squirts. That's like a fire hose. I have one so too. pretty. Yeah, you do have that actually. It's called a Camelback. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but so. Earlier in the month, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation posted an online interview with a criminology professor, Liam Kennedy, uh, who had just published an article all about Paw Patrol criticizing the show's problematic neoliberal messaging. Uh, Basically, his argument is that uh, the show implies that business is a reasonable alternative to government. Uh, The mayor is Useless. I mean, uh, like most of the problems come from the mayor just not being able to do anything right. Uh-huh. Uh, they're constantly just like, you know, rescuing her from a corner she got stuck in because she didn't turn around or something. Um, they are, yeah, and they're essentially. So his argument is that they're essentially a private corporation that they are. They paid like, the Paw Patrol. That's the thing. You never see them paid. All so it's a money, pretty huh? weak argument <laughs> because it's not like- They may be volunteers. Right. Either uh, way, they're paramilitary. Right. Okay, yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. That's right. And But you, it's not like you see other like government-provided uh, services fail. Where they're like, hey, regu- municipal fire department, right. fuck off, because <laughs> yeah, Paw exactly. Patrol you is You blew here. it again, right, municipal right, right. fire department. Uh, it's just basically Paw Patrol is the only entity in Thunder Bay that is solving problems uh, for the community. So, is, Where's the Gat Patrol? The what? The Gat Patrol. The Gat Patrol? Yeah. What's that? Isn't that something in 99 Problems that I don't understand? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gat, Gat Patrol. Patrol. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is, but yeah. I like it. That is good. Uh, there are cats and they're all evil. So I'd say that is the more uh, I mean, if problematic said, messaging. All the cats are bad. I mean, basically. I think he's just, I mean, he's just, he means he has shooters. So oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, right, right. Any shooters are part Gat of it. Patrol, that means. Okay, you know, got it. They got Sorry. It. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, they're ready. They're ready. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I am. On the side of the Canadian criminologist here. I, yeah. I haven't seen Paw Patrol, uh, and I assume he hasn't either. But I'm going to say, in my neighborhood, uh, this thing happened where these guys started coming from this company called ACS. They, they yep. Okay. So they came like door to door. What's ACS? So it's a paramilitary organization. Yeah, basically. Oh, is it that like wannabe cop guys yeah. in like, like chargers? It's like in Gross Point Blank. Where yeah. the, the the guy is like they're all over Hollywood, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. that's where I live. So they come door to door, and my wife keeps mentioning like our our neighbors are doing it, and it's not that expensive, and if right. enough of us do it, there'll be twenty four hour surveillance. And these guys in cars, I'm like, who are these guys in cars? Do they have guns? She's like, retired they, cops. They do have guns. They seem a little young for retired cops. Uh, oh. uh, they have guns. I'm like, they have guns. Like yeah. everyone in our neighborhood is against guns, and we're gonna right. hire people with guns. Yeah. who aren't even cops to like. And she's yeah, like, but they're really good at Call of Duty. Right. And she's like, well, there's just been more crime. Like, there is no crime in our neighborhood. Right. And so sure enough, one day I come home and there's a guy in a, in a <laughs> uniform at our table. Oh, she, yeah. There's, there's forms being signed. And now I'm a member of the ACS thing. Wow. So I'm, I'm hiring my own Paw Patrol. And then not long <laughs> after we've hired Paw Patrol, there's some flashlights on our deck at like 2 a.m. And my wife wakes me up and she's like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's just helicopter lights, which it was obviously not true. And by the way, <laughs> even if it like, was, that's worse, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I go to the deck and the, fla- the flashlights disappear. And she's like, and, I've, and I have like a choice where I could either go outside or I could call ACS. Right. <laughs> I definitely called ACS. Okay. So um, the next thing I know, the cops come to her. This is in my book, actually. The cops come to my door and I look out my window and they seem like laughing. So I open the door and they are now they're dead serious and annoyed. Uh-huh. And they're like, your next door neighbor has a different paramilitary Paw Patrol service. And they were hot, and they came by to, ch- he's on vacation. So they were checking his yard with oh. flashlights, which triggered your paramilitary Paw Patrol. Oh wow. And they could have shot at each nightmare. other. Yeah. Holy we, we could have shit. All, we could have all died and our houses would have been left right. to like Just to for Bernie to give the, yeah. Um, so, so I'm against, I think the Paw Patrol is nothing but trouble. Yeah. I don't know why it's legal. You know, these para- baby military cops. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's where we're headed, baby. You know, yeah. like, Hey yeah. man, why don't we take that off your hands city? Yeah. It's, yeah. So- it's, it's South Africa. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do think that generally, you know, 
it's an impressionable audience. I don't think they're fully grasping the uh, the messaging here, but you know, one day it could it could trickle down into uh, into their thinking on other things. And I didn't mention, I'm sorry, that the people at ACS uh, are uh, they're all dogs. <laughs> yeah. They're all dogs, so, armed dogs, yes. which is yeah, and a, and a twelve year old. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's Who's the though? manager. <laughs> he runs a thing. Yeah, he runs a tight ship. Um, yeah, it's so. Anyways, this is causing like Fox News to be like, "Oh, they're what? We can't have children's cartoons anymore," and they're really mad at, and they're claiming it's a CBC like report when it's actually the CBC interviewing a guy who said a thing being totally not just a guy, Liam Harper, right? Yeah, <laughs> Liam Kennedy. I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was close. Uh, so yeah, it's it's becoming a uh, sort of a thing. Just over some pause, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not to be a conspiracy theorist, but is he a Kennedy? Could be. Yeah, we, you Thought never so. know. <laughs> Thought so. <laughs> Thought Hadn't so. looked into that. Check and fucking mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joel, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Where I'm exhausted. People... How do you guys do this every day? <laughs> coffee. Cold yeah, brew. a lot of coffee. Costco cold brew. Got it. Where can people uh, find you? Follow right here, you? apparently. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're on social media. You're on Twitter. People yeah. can follow you there. You're yeah. a great follow. Uh, you also are an author, and you have a book yeah, that, that people should go buy. Yeah, buy a couple. Yeah, I yeah, I highly recommend. It, it doesn't it doesn't work that well until you get a couple of them. Yeah, um, the book doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I got to read two. There <laughs> we go. There it is. <laughs> there, there's the word. I see. Yeah. Uh, is there a tweet or some oh. other work of social media that you've been enjoying? I did. I liked something I thought was really smart that Virginia Heffernan tweeted, and I wrote it down for you guys. Virtue signaling is standard snoozy hypocrisy, but vice signaling, Trump's hideous shakedown of Ukraine and New York, bar fixing Stone's case, and all the running with the devil, is white collar Ozzy Osbourne. The bar fix has got to be the DC equivalent of biting off the head of a bat. Wow. <laughs> I, love, just, I love the idea of vice signaling. Right. Vice like signaling. All the white yeah. I think is a big like, oh, thing Trump's doing. Shit. Yeah. Let him know. Um, Miles, where can people find you? Follow Twitter, you. Instagram at Miles of Gray, and on my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, discussing the seminal TV show 90 Day Fiance with Sophie Alexandra. Uh, a tweet I like is from at Major Trans Celeb. It says, I don't need a kombucha company to have an origin story. <laughs> Just, I feel like any time you lift the label of anything with kombucha on it, it starts off with some whimsical thing about like, it all started. Yeah. <laughs> or kombucha can is be Is it in a garage back. or where does a kombucha company start? It all depends uh, which company you're looking mm. at, man. You know? Yeah. Just on the floor. They just, yeah. Don't come from kombucha, all the, all the runoff. <laughs> a tweet I've been enjoying, at Drill tweeted, if a four-year-old child tried to accidentally shoot me, I would simply disarm it by using a complete arm latch into tactical 100% body roll. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, that's it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, <laughs> Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter, at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song We Ride Out on Miles. What are we riding out on today? This is uh, from producer Denny LaFlair. We had one of uh, the tracks maybe two weeks ago, but this is another one called 1200. Again, if you like the sample-based hip-hop instrumentals, you know, freestyle to this one in your car and freak your kids out. Let them know, yeah, dad used to be in a rap group. Okay? <laughs> dad used to be in a really sick rap group. We all used to be in rap groups. Kids. We all... Maybe that's our our that's thing, thing, our Lance yeah. Armstrong for our generation when yeah. we revert to something to feel magical again. I'm like, oh, my dad's back in his rapper phase. Yeah, we were trying to talk about trying to figure out what like the way that uh, you know people who are of a certain age now dress in all like Lance Armstrong gear and go biking what? with their friends. Uh, do you not know? Have you like middle aged biker? Like, bike have you cruise? seen This Is Forty? The yes, no, yeah. I'm, I'm in that Paul Rudd demo, and This Is oh, Forty. Are but, you? Oh, you don't mean literally Lance Armstrong outfits? You mean no. just cycling gear? <laughs> yeah, Super just cycling oh, gear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like way professional. Like you're like you're sir. You're not even oh, fit enough. To, I've I've okay. been to the Lance Armstrong bike cycling store oh, in wow. Austin where you can get the uh, the Lance yellow Trump. thing. Yeah, Mellow Johnny's. Yeah, as as in Mayo Jean. Ah, yeah. ah. but I didn't buy. It. Um. Yeah, we were trying to figure out what what 
the next thing for millennials what, is what, the millennial version. Oh, the equivalent. Mid-life, that's mid-life the Gen X version, that, right? That's the Gen oh. X. Oh, yeah. Like when you're like trying to recapture it. It's a crisis <laughs> outfit. Man. It's like, oh boy. It's like oh, there's no. a pack of people in a in the midst of a crisis. <laughs> right. Wait, did you come up with something for millennials? Uh, we couldn't. We're just trying to it. rack our brain. I felt like I had thought of something a long time ago, but I I know it, we're we all have we're all gonna have that thing. Yeah. But what's it we're thinking be? like Kanye outfits, like Kanye clothing, like your Yeezys or right, like or just Yeezys wearing like oversized, like oversized sweat, everything. It has to yeah. be a little expensive, right? And, and the good thing about that this is forty cycling thing is that it, when you hit the age that I am, you do have this crisis of body. Yeah, yeah. And, and the cycling thing is such a great way rich, in. Yeah, so I think, yeah. With yeah. millennials, like fuck, fuck, trying to exercise, just wear baggier sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It's probably some kind Hide of it yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We will be back this afternoon to tell you what is trending, and then back tomorrow with more podcasts, and we will see you tonight, Minneapolis. Bye. Bye.